You are listening to Hope Alive, streaming live from Hope Restoration Ministries, Kempton Park, South Africa. 18 minutes past the hour of 10 a.m. You're listening to Hope Alive with your lovely host, Mfundo B. So Bright, on the talk Reloaded. Yes, and today I have a special guest, of course. My no, Well, I have two special guests. The one is obviously the beautiful lady we are interviewing today. And of course, yeah, I'm joined in by my shy, my humble, my handsome, you know, my vibrant co-host, TK. <laughs> Let us not waste any more time right now. On the line, we have the uh, beautiful, amazing, smart. Like, my, when you even hear her voice, like it was my first time hearing her voice right now when we just uh, preparing her for the call. I was like, okay. Sizama, another thing, another Hello, Sizama Harlan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. You know, uh, thank you for joining us at Hope Alive Radio today. Well, thank you for having me. No, thank you. So, I feel so like privileged and blessed right now. I'm like fancy. <laughs> No, it, 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 it's standard procedure. Here we have this thing. We have decorum. You know, it's not a little zinka that mm. that it doesn't compare, <laughs> man. It doesn't compare. So yes. my my previous or my my co-host in spirit now contacted me about you, right? And she's like, Fundo, yes. I want you to please interview this beautiful lady. Like her story is so beautiful, yet it's so sad and touching. I was like, Neo, youth man, why do you want us to cry so much? <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah. I hope we're not going to cry. Yeah, I hope I, it's a story of God showing up, no? No, definitely. I feel like that's the that's what we're highlighting today. But I, for those who don't know, because I, I don't have a bio, I don't have anything. I'm really just freestyling this phone call with you. Who is, okay. who is Uzama Harland? Uzama is born and raised in KZN, so I'm a Zulu girl through and through. Um, mm. I grew up in a tiny little town called Kloof, um, and uh, shout out to Kloof in the Upper <laughs> Highway area. Um, I studied to actually be in marketing, so brand management. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to work in corporate um, in one of the leading brands in South Africa. I've actually stepped back from corporate to, one, focus on my mental health, and two, to start my own journey and my own business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a sweet summary. And Diomuk Oti, as if people are shocked by the Holland, I am married to a white man. Yes, we yeah. are a swirl couple. Yes, I have, so. <laughs> I, have, I have an association now. Now I know who to direct and get the tips from. Because like student, yeah, because yeah. like student, but me, I'm done with uh, South African black men. <laughs> the trauma is too deep for me to continue. I'm tapping out. <laughs> I'm really tapping I'm, out. I'm going to shut. I'll see you again. <laughs> but... Uh, Okay, now for us to unpack God's love. So God's Love Thursday, we basically touch on people's life stories and we get to know and unpack who they are and how God has seen them through when you found God. So most of the people have always had to know they found God at a at a very tender age. But with you, when Noah was just unpacking a young summary about your story, I feel like let's start about, let's start at how was your lifehood or how was your journey from like growing up 
as Uzama, mm. you know, like tell us and unpack your story with your family, your friends, like how has everything that has happened to you shape you to become who Zama is now? So I have to say that a lot of people always talk about that moment there when they found God and how Wakubega from that exact moment mm-hmm. and they grew. Mina, my story is interesting because I feel like I found God so many times and in so many places in my life. Mm. Um, and I've kept renewing that relationship and finding new and interesting things. So I grew up in a family of four um, and I had quite interesting age gaps between me and my siblings. Um, we grew up together and we did everything together basically. Um, but unfortunately, we did grow up in an abusive household mm. and um, both the parents were alcoholic. Um, so it was quite difficult and there was a lot of neglect. Um, there was a lot of abuse. Um, just in jail, it was a very toxic and volatile situation. Um, and I think it speaks to the dark history of what we have like South Africa with the gender-based violence. Mm. So. I saw a lot of that growing up. I experienced the violence and the abuse myself um, from family members, from not family members, from family friends. So um, I've just been through the most. Mm. <laughs> As a female in this country, I can say safely, good to know, I've faced gender-based violence on an ongoing basis since the age of four. Mm. Um, so it, it, it's a really dark part of my life um, and I really did try not to focus on it, but you know how God has a way of bringing things up and using that pain to heal. Mm. Um, while I was working in corporate, he started bringing all of these memories back because I hadn't processed them. So mm. I was still living my life in full glory of what God had given me, but I wasn't enjoying it. Um, I wasn't feeling like I'd accomplished anything. Uh, like I set out to do what all 13 year old Zama was praying and dreaming to do when she got out of the house. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so then I just kind of took a step back and with the support of my husband, I, I quit um, and I took some time off so I could spend time properly with God and then internalize and focus on the areas that I needed to fix. Um, I'd had this mentality of just keep going. Mm. And I think it's, it's it's a true mentality in black households. Just go back, go back, like so bonacon. So Bonapambil, just Quebec, and that's the mentality my parents had, and it's obviously how they were raised now. So, you know, I'd had my siblings pass away, my sister passed away when I was six, mm. um, and she died from HIV and AIDS, and that was in 99, so no one knew what this thing was. Yes. Mm. Um, so growing up in a, in a well-off family, there was not enough money in the world to pay for anything. There was nothing to fix. Mm. Um and even her, yeah, no, when she was on her deathbed, she was like, Lord, mom, please just reassure me. And you'll understand what happened. Mm. Um, and we were like, yes. So we grew up in a Catholic home. So we were always, always forced to go to church. So God has always been there for me. Um, but when I hit my trick, we had such a whew, heartbreaking tragedy. And I lost my brother. Um, and... You, that was, yeah, there's not enough words to describe the pain I felt because we were so close. Mm. He was my ride or die. He was my inspiration. 
he was my, you know, he was my person, mm. and we lost him tragically, um, sadly, to another South African, Gautwa. He was killed while living in the United States by another South African. Mm. Um, so it was a very tragic thing to happen, especially in my matric year. Uh, yeah. That was the beginning of my matric year. I remember, I'm like, I missed all of calculus. That's all I remember. I just missed calculus in that. But we could, I could not go to school. Mm. Um, so I was out of school for at least a month. Um, just going back and forth, trying voices to more, and then you can't do the proper traditional ways of bringing things back. And young Kinto just was pear shaped when he passed away. Mm. Um, and I think that was the second time I can say safely in my life I almost broke up with God <laughs> um, mm. because I was just like, I, I, I. My brother's out here trying to live his life and he gets taken like this. Yeah. I, something, yeah. something, something's not adding up. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like we had to deal with it as a family. Um, my eldest brother tapped out, like he didn't come to the funeral. He was just like, none of this. Um, and then my family was a rift from that moment. Even mm. though just didn't, we were never piecing back together anything, even though there was the dysfunctional part, it was just broken. Mm. Um, and I was fortunate enough to go to Thomas More, which is a Christian based school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would always have churches coming in and the youth leaders and the youth pastors coming in to talk. So at least my, my questions were being answered by, by those sorts of people. Cause I'd go up to them afterwards and I'm like, but you need to explain to me how my brother's gone yeah. yes. and he didn't do anything. And he's the salt of the earth. He needs, like what happened? And I don't think anyone had answers. Um, and the answers I was looking for specifically, um, mm. And I had a very low point in my life. Um, I was suicidal. I was extremely depressed. Um, I was ready to tap out. Um, and then I got like a little glimmer of hope through my friends and my family, who I know the whole time were praying for me. Yeah. Um, I could start feeling like, okay, maybe I can do this, you know. Maybe I can pass my metric trials and do my finals and then, you know, varsity. Maybe I can... Yeah, well, trying to find the strength and the courage. Mm, mm. Um, and I think what was beautiful is then at the end of varsity, I met my husband. And what was so beautiful about my husband is he grew up in a Christian home that understood the love of Jesus. Yeah. And that was something that I never understood growing up. Mm. And I have to say, from then, my life has been full of light and love and just peace. And, and joy and it's helped me deal with all the stuff that came with before mm. was just knowing that pure love that's so unconditional yeah. and there's no terms and conditions mm. and his, his family taught me the type of love that Jesus would want us all to have so yeah. receiving that love from them from their friends because afterwards I just saw myself being built up by a circle of Christian women and men Mm. And they were holding me the whole way. Even when I was working and it was stressful, I could see where the hand of God was working in my life. Um, and I have to say, I'm just, I'm so grateful that on those days, I didn't give in to those thoughts. Yeah. I didn't give in to yeah. that, that, you're not worthy, outing a daddy's bed. 
And that's um, and, uh, sorry, and that's what I wanted to ask yeah. you in in regards to now when you're talking about you went through suicidal thoughts, you went through depression. Um, it's yes. it's the youth month, and I feel like there's a lot that the youth is currently being bared with, right? And I just mm. want to hear maybe just like a few things about your journey uh, in that ruckus or that commotion of being so depressed and being so tired and being so suicidal and your mm. journey into coming out of it. Like if you, if you do remember it and like, how can you like describe it and just share your story so that at least someone who's, uh, whoever's listening can hear Guti, it's really not the end. The beauty, yeah. about, the beauty about journey is that it never really ends there until mm. God really does take you out and, your story continues because I feel like in the rocks mm. we, we get so conf- consumed by the valley of the shadow of darkness and then we think we need to end there not come out of it. So I just wanted you to like yeah. just give us a brief a brief uh, journey story about how everything that happened during that time shaped your thoughts about yourself, about Christianity at large and all. So it's an interesting one. Um because I think with with a relationship with God and a true one, it it almost happens over and over again, mm-hmm. um, and and it's never just that once. And I think for me, when it it flips like a switch, that it was time to walk out of the valley instead of sit in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember we were in Joburg and we were visiting friends, and I was sobbing because I was so stressed from work. My parents were driving me crazy with their normal shenanigans. Mm. I was just like at the end of it and I I couldn't see like where to go next because on one side I'm being pulled into this Christian life and then on the other side you know my parents don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe in the love of Christ so it was very very difficult. I was pulled in two directions. Mm. Mm. Um and I remember just crying out to God and literally just saying to him, like, Lord, I understand what you want for me, but how long must I suffer this pain mm. because I am hurting? Yes. And I said, how deep is the pain, first of all, because it feels like it's never ending. Mm. And I remember the response as simple and as clear as, the pain is deep, but my love is deeper. Oh. And that's when, yeah, oh. that's when I knew, Uti, no, okay, I've got work to do. I've got things to do mm. and yeah. I was sent here for a reason. So let me find my purpose mm. in the name of Jesus. And mm. that was that was it for me. Oh, amen. Mm. That is beautiful mm. because then now I want to tap into that uh, upbringing part that you brought up in the beginning about having to deal or cope or function around very um, abusive, uh, an abusive environment like that, like with Mm. dealing with the alcoholism and, and, and how did like the challenges that you went through in that moment at your very tender age, like when you look back at it, what would you say are the life lessons you learned specifically from that space and that environment? I think what I learned from being a young child who is hopeful for so much more for themselves Mm. was that in order to get where I wanted to go, I had to make choices. Mm. And we all have choices to make. And for me, what was clear was I need to make the choices in my life for the right reasons. Mm. Um, 
And there was a lot of times where it wasn't easy. And I even questioned why I was going down this path. But it, it reminds me of my little, I used, I used to have a little church Bible that mm. I remember buying when I was six. Yeah. Um, and at the time I'd read the story books and, you know, they got those beautiful pictures mm-hmm. and mm. they tell you to do the right thing and the type of love that Jesus shows. So I always remember like having this book with me and being like, no, this is the right, these are the right choices, the choices of God, the ways to, to worship him, to follow him, to submit to his will in my life. I think I, I knew that at a very young age, mm. watching how things were not going right for my family mm. and seeing how their decisions made out of selfish reasons or stress or fear weren't leading them in the right direction. Um, and I think I was also blessed with an extended family that knows Jesus. So mm. I can only imagine they were all praying for me. Um, seeing what was happening. Mm. So I think with my extended family and, you know, the small little Sunday school stuff and all those little things, I knew which path was the right one. And Mm. it was just about making choices to fulfill what I wanted out of my life and ultimately what God wanted out of my life. Oh, wow. That is is beautiful because now, like, I was making so many notes when you were still uh, unpacking your journey. And then I love the part where you said when you found your your now husband, his family exposed you to a kind of love that you never thought or you never imagined you'd ever receive. Like, you know, when Mm. you, especially when you experience something for the first time and you kind of have an idea of what it would feel like, but when you're currently in the moment, it's something something completely different. And I just want to ask you about that part, Guti. Now, from growing up in carrying so many burdens from losing your siblings, then also the dysfunctionality within the family, how was that feeling once, you know, you tapped in and you're like, okay, now I, you see, I've been saying I know God's love. I've been experiencing it. But when I met mm. this man, man, this man of mine, that, that <laughs> feeling that you had, like, can you unpack it? I, I just feel like it's like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. So that's why I just want to like, I want you to unpack it in how, like, when did you know, okay, no, I am really seeing and I'm really living in God's love. Mm. Um, oh, you're making me smile now because it's a throwback <laughs> to all my favorite memories. <laughs> um, you know, I thought at my first job, um, I was already dating my husband because we, we'd met like just as I was finishing varsity at the most stressful time of varsity at all because yeah. you're trying to show off and you're trying to get a job. And I just met this man who was just like, oh, you need help with that? Let me do it. Oh, you need help with this? Let me do it. And I'm like, mm. what is what is going on here? A happy helper. And you can, um, yes, and you can imagine as a Zulu girl, I was thoroughly confused. Because <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> we are taught to be the happy helper. Yeah. So I was thoroughly yes. confused. Um, but this person just genuinely wanted to help me. And then I met his mother. Oh, and I was finished. It was like I had found my spiritual home. Mm. Because she was just as ready to help. And I was like, what is wrong with these people? They're always <laughs> so happy. They always want to help. Yeah. I'm just like, this is not okay. Mm. And lo and behold, the day I got baptized um, in the name of Jesus Christ, I felt that love and I felt oh, the outpouring. And mm. if I think about it now, I want to cry and ramble mm. all at the same time. Mm. Um, 
And I felt it because I think what they showed me, which is so true to God's word, is unconditional love. Mm. And love that doesn't have terms and conditions, Mm. doesn't have, you know, for lack of a better word, black tax attached to it. And all of these things that we get told we must do if we we love someone. Mm. But I don't think we get taught that we must also look for people who, who do those things for us. Yes. Um, because that's when you find your person or your people, um, you know, or your best friend because mm. you reciprocate each other's love and you show each other love on the same level. Mm. And for me, it was just like an embodiment of what Jesus was preaching when he was walking with her. Wow. So, yeah. So to meet them was just, it was eye opening. I mean, I, they, my sisters, my brothers, all of his brothers and sisters, <laughs> we're like one very, very mixed, happy family. And yeah, I would not change that for the world. I know that they were my blessing. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. Now just mm. to like one last question in regards to your marriage, right? Um, yes. How was it dealing with? Uh, I'm because I'm I'm quite sure we're still still in the developing stages when it comes to broadening our horizons as Africans when it comes to interracial relationships, mm. right? So I just want to understand or know the challenges you encountered, like being with your man, since you did say he is white, and uh, yeah. the the challenges you guys faced, the maybe the scrutiny you also received on one end, maybe people telling you that you betrayed your own because why are you going to the white? Yeah. You know, but like what were the yeah, what were the challenges you encountered as you guys were together from dating right into marriage and to where you guys are now? So I have to say the the one challenge we encountered is everyone looks at you. <laughs> so that in public you're never ready for. Um because you seem to forget, like, why is everyone staring with me? And it's like, oh, okay, I'm with this really tall white man and I'm this short little black woman. I understand now. Um but I think the challenges we faced were more from a traditional aspect mm-hmm. uh, and just trying to align the way we were raised differently. Mm. Um, and I have to say, Shane, my parents surprisingly weren't too hard <laughs> on mm. me marrying a white man, but I grew up amongst white people, so I think yeah. they expected okay, it. Okay. Um, so, so they were never ready for that. Um, but one of the biggest challenges we did have was when it came to actually getting married of course and how to do that mm. um i newly baptized was stuck in my way of i will not get married unless god is my witness and we do it the christian way yeah. um mm. because that's the way his family would want to do it as well mm. um and we were like yes yeah, there's that and then you you mix you know we are over between the two and it was like, okay, so if we approach it from the Zulu way, what are we going to do? Mm. Um, and the only falling out we had was on the Lobola payment. And the falling out was specifically that my mom was insisting the old, old Zulu way of keeping the money. But my dad was insisting the way of, no, you give us what you can afford. And then we put that into the wedding. Mm. Finish and glad. Mm. Gentleman's handshake. Mm. And yeah, my mom and I had a falling out about that because mm. I knew that I couldn't expect him to have been planning for Lobola his whole life because in his family, the mm-hmm. bride's mm. family prays for everything. It's mm. the other way around. 
So him and I just agreed, you know what? We want to get married. We love each other. We've prayed about it enough. Let's just get married, the two of us. Leave the families out of it. And then we'll, we'll see when we get to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we did. And we happily married for five years in September. Mm-hmm. We haven't had any other clashes. And I think the truth is, regardless of race or religion, it's that we both knew that Christ was the most important thing Mm -hmm. and that Christ formed the center of our relationship. So that's where I say we had a challenge, but I think if you have the right person, the challenges are, you know, they they look like nothing when you look back. Yes. Oh man, that's that's such a cute Cinderella type of like story. Oh my goodness. (laughs) One of the sweetest stories, no? It is. It really is. Especially getting married to someone from a different background background Mm -hmm. and all that. Mm. Yeah. Then you grew up direct from a Zulu family. Yeah, and we know Zulu. Then you are able to break those stereotypes, norms, and all that. Mm. And they accept him. I think that's, that's another thing. Oh, they love him. Oh, that's Ooh. beautiful. Our shame. <laughs> we have some oh. shame. <laughs> Manjum- no, they love him. Oh, my Manjum- aunt was just like, I just want, want to see him more. I'm like, okay. Manjama ga kwati si la umteti si nisizul. No, umteti si nisizul. I bo. Meba tulakpe gengut. And then. And then. No, he understands. So I can't now just because yeah, like he grew up. Um, his best friend now, Umnyama. So we very oh, mixed. Yeah. So he understands, and on. he's just like, okay, now you're mad. Like I know you're mad. <laughs> yeah. I understand one or two words, but I can know. sense the tension. <laughs> 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 but uh, what I've noticed is he starts doing it as well. Mr. Timmy, he was just like. <laughs> <laughs> That is really cute. But then just to tap yeah. into uh, now your business side, you know, the part where you just yeah. ask, you're, yeah, you're young, a businesswoman. What do you do? What is it all about? Just to wrap up the interview. Cool. So I own an agency called Touchstone Digital Studios. Mm-hmm. So it's 100% black owned female agency mm. which if you don't know in the advertising world that's not very common in South Africa mm-hmm. um, so my husband and I partnered up and basically what we do is digital marketing and software development so we try to be the best um, support to our clients mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we try to build honest and trustworthy relationships with our clients so that we can give them the best results for their business whether it's online whether it's on social media, mm-hmm. whether it's on billboards, we are there to make sure you have an amazing digital strategy and that all your software needs on there. Oh man, that that's that's nice. Like it's a nice cherry on the top. But now I need <laughs> now I'm going to ask you just for the whole serving, you know, the whole experience of the survey. Um yeah. what words of encouragement do you have to anyone listening? You know, just like someone who's feeling down and bad, like I said, because it's the youth mm. month and a lot of people were just we're also just looking into I can't wait to be in my future where I'm happy, I'm at peace, and 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 but just like for parting mm. words, what words of encouragement do you have for anyone listening really to just to just to set their hearts at ease in jail for this for this very cold season that we're currently in. <laughs> yes, it's freezing. Um, so I'd say to the youth, 
you know, you have a series of choices to make in your life. Mm. Make sure that when you look back on the decisions that you've made, you are happy with your choices mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that they please you and God. And it's between you and God and nobody else's business. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's I learned that the hard way. It's no one else's business but you <laughs> and God. <laughs> and funny how I literally say that all the time here on air. I'm like, at the end of the day, even my friends know this. I literally always say, Guti, at the end of the day, it's between you and God. Yeah. Because yeah. if anything else happens, it's a thing of... When God asked you and he asked, I told you to do this. Why were you going around seeking counsel from other people from other when people. I already mm-hmm. spoke and mm-hmm. I already finalized in your life? So I thank you for saying that because <laughs> this is a true statement that I live by. You know, if I could get it tattooed on me, I would. Goodsy, at the end of the day, it is between you and your God. But now one of Amen. our listeners is saying, just want to say beautiful interview and greetings to Zama. Heart, heart, heart. Thank you. And if people want to get in touch with you, you know, just maybe seek counsel, maybe job opportunities. You never know, because in the South Africa, you hustle however you can hustle. Oh, even they want yeah, to no, you do business. Yes, like if people just want to come in and just get to know you, or maybe one people want you to speak more at different places, where can people get a hold of you on the socials? So my social media account is called Diary of a Young Black Woman. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can follow me there. Diary of a Young Black Woman. It is 47 minutes past the hour of 10 a.m. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sizama, for sharing such a beautiful... Like when Noah told me what it said, I was like, Noah, I'm really not trying to be sad on a Thursday. (laughs) Like (laughs) last week, I was stressed by the interview that we had. I can't do that again. But yours is so... It's it's that literally Cinderella type of story, Guti. At the end of the day, there's that happily ever after that some people people yearn for some people wish for but from moving from our side at hope Allah, we say i hope that uh, everything falls through the way god has intended that you continue to propel into such beauty you continue to share your story and just how well spoken you are like just bringing that peace that surpasses all understanding in every area that you tap into we're just saying that thank you so much and hope that more people can learn from you i hope so too no, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you. It is a 48 minutes past the hour of 10 a.m. Yes, we're still giving you a nice song request, so do not be shy as well to send in your song request on 067-153-1089. But that is how we are wrapping up our God's Love Thursday interview with Isabel. You're listening to Hope Alive, your number one online Christian radio station.